This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Dave Harrigan from the Mackey and Judd Show blew up my idea for the Yule Log, the Yule Log collection of songs for the Mackey and Judd Show. All I want for Christmas is you. Why you, you Darvish? He said, no, too cliche. Everybody's all over that. I said, but I have some really good lyrics. He said, nope, absolutely not. He's the brainchild. He said, Dugs, we don't need you. So, lo and behold, here I am recording another Scoop Podcast. I don't get to become any sort of songwriter. It is Scoop Podcast episode 117. Happy holidays, everyone. We'll get to the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast in just a second. We'll get to a U Darvish update. We'll get to all sorts of things. But we start episode 117 with one of the best friends of the podcast, he is Wolves guard Jamal Crawford. He helped win them another game. Maybe it wasn't quite Utah-esque in early November, but he had a lot to do with that victory over the Blazers on Monday night. Here is Jamal. All right, Jamal, let's start with the overall craziness of Monday night. What is what is your reaction when I tell you this? Now, this predates you, but it has been nearly six years since you guys, since the Wolves came back from a 10 or more point deficit with eight minutes or less to go. But that was the case on Monday night. You guys were down double digits, eight minutes to go. You came back and won the game. How did you guys do it? What is your reaction when I tell you that, that it's been nearly six years? That's a long time. That definitely is. But uh, uh, we showed a lot of grit. I thought we showed a lot of resolve. And things weren't going our way pretty much the whole night. you know. But we found a way. We didn't let go of the rope. So to speak, we really, really just hung in there, and then things started turning our way. We got better defensively and became the more aggressive team. So I thought it was a really good win for us, especially uh, being so close in the standings, even in December. I mean, yeah, I mean, looking at the box score, I mean, you guys clearly were the more aggressive team, at least in the officials' eyes. I mean, you look at the free throw numbers. I mean, Portland didn't shoot many free throws. Yeah, they're a team that plays. Obviously, they have some great scores, but... Uh, they play on the perimeter. They really stretch you out. They have guys like Lillard and McCullum and uh, Napier and guys who really, really like to shoot the long ball. And we were trying to really just pack it in. You know, obviously, uh, we wanted them to see multiple bodies and, and give good second efforts to make things a little bit more uncomfortable for them than they're used to. Jamal, what is the key to not losing consecutive games, losing back-to-back games? I mean, you guys have, but... We have to go back nearly a month, if not over a month, since you guys have lost consecutive games. What is the key to that? Uh, I think just not not accepting uh, complacency. You know, in this league, I think winning is a habit, but so is losing. You know, in a lot of teams, you see teams go on a roll, they may win three, four, five in a row, and they may turn around and, uh, you know, the next month or a few weeks later and lose three or four in a row. We don't want that. We want to say, okay, we lost tonight, but we're going to right our wrongs and, and get better at whatever we did. We'll watch some film. Uh, we'll get on the floor and make the proper adjustments and, and not lose and make the same mistakes twice. And so far, it's kind of worked out for us. All right, let's get to your individual performance on Monday. I mean, we had you on the podcast after you pretty much won the Utah game in early November. Was it the same sort of feel for you on Monday night where, you know, the basket, you know, use any cliche you want, the basket looks bigger than it is. I mean, everything you were putting up there was was going in. Yeah, and, and that's a credit to my teammates and coaches, too, because I have great teammates setting screens to give me that space I need. Uh, Pius, you know, making the right calls, the right reads, and Tibbs staying with the play that was working and putting the ball in my hands to kind of let me create once he saw something good for our team. And, and I actually have the easy part of this, getting the shot up there, you know, because they've done all the hard work for me. So 
it, it definitely has some the, some similarities with the feel. You know, kind of going a, a nip and tuck type of game, back and forth, kind of trying to get over the hump and just try to give us some energy. You know, I think once you can kind of turn that fire on, we can kind of use that. And we got the crowd into it, and they really helped push us over the top. So it was a good win for us in front of our home crowd. Where does your fearlessness come from? I mean, you're out there. I mean, you're not scared to take any shot. You'll take any shot imaginable. Yeah, I, I've worked or I've taken every single shot that I, I take. So for me, it's not like it's new. You know, it may look like it's coming from my hip or I'm off balance or, you know, things of that nature. For me, it's a comfortable shot. I don't even have to really uh, be square to the rim. But as long as the, the shooting form is the same and I think I can dial it in, I feel comfortable taking that shot. And I'm not scared to fail, to be honest with you. I've always kind of had that gene or whatever they call it ever since I was younger. Like, I'm not scared to fail. You know, if I miss that shot, uh, if I, I'll probably miss it if I go in thinking, okay, I can miss this shot. I probably have already defeated it. And sometimes I think uh, playing in thought or, or kind of playing thinking is, is the worst thing for a shooter or a scorer. You kind of block your own shot. Did I see, Jamal, that, that you passed? Was it Dr. J in the all-time scoring list? Yeah, that's just wild. I that mean, is I, crazy. I, I, I had to text my mom today, actually, and she was like, uh, I guess that Dr. J hoop came in handy because she was the one that got me the Dr. J hoop at first. That was my first basketball hoop. Nice. Who, I mean, you don't even dream about things like that. And, you know, like seeing Trace McGrady's next on the list. Like these guys are just, I mean, some of the best players to ever play. So it's just crazy. Just crazy. Yeah, I mean, what is it, 10 points away from T-Mac? I mean, you'll have that by, yeah. by later in the week. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's wild, man. It's just, I mean, you don't even dream about those type of things, to be honest with you. It's just humbling, you know, to hear those type of names. Any in any way that's positive. Is there one name in particular? Maybe it was Dr. J where you're like, I'd really, really like to pass that individual. No, there wasn't one that was in particular, but there were certain ones that stood out a little bit more than others. Like when I passed Pistol Pete, I was like, man, that's Pistol Pete Mary. Mm-hmm. When I passed uh, Magic Johnson, who's my second favorite player ever. Passing, you know, Grant Hill, guys like that. And then like Dr. J, you know, like these guys are just you know, some of my personal favorites. You know, so that's just—it's just crazy. That's <laughs> not I can describe that. Who's your favorite player ever? Michael Jordan. I'm not catching him, so don't worry about that. One. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you said you have like another five to seven years left, right? Yeah, yeah, but at that rate, that guy is just—he's just too great, too great. Yeah, well, I mean, never say never, right, Jamal? I mean, heck, if you can yeah. play, I mean, with your body type, I mean, could you play until you're 45? 45. Somebody else asked me that. And I, I wouldn't even want to in the NBA. I, I promised my son a number, and he may let me adjust it a little bit. But I, I don't think 45 is in the cards for me. But for me, I think, you know, just roll, roll the dice and see how long we can go with this thing. But to have the opportunity to play two decades or more is just, that's like a baseball career. You know, like that's, that's kind of silly in itself. And to be one of the only guards to ever play that long, I thank God. And, and like you said, the body type. Second grade son? Your second grade son? Yeah, my second grade son. All right, so you told him you only play for X amount of years? Yeah, yeah. We and him got a deal. I can't tell it, but we have a deal. But maybe he'll adjust it for me, so we'll see. You guys are 11-6 and six in games decided by six points or less. What's the secret there? Uh, I think things get tougher. They really do. I think they get a lot uh, more gritty. I think uh, we, we're finding ways to win. You know, in, in most games, unless you're like right now, I think Tibbs said it's like a Golden State and Houston, but most games over the years come down to just a couple possessions. If you think about that, that's almost crazy, right? We think about all the possessions in the game, 
for both teams, and they come down to the last one or two. So for us, I think we're showing that we can take that next step, you know, in winning close games, and that that breeds confidence, and that gives our team confidence. I think it'll bode well for us moving forward. I mean, I don't want to say that you dismiss the fourth quarter numbers, but as I'm sure you're aware of, a lot of us talking heads keep citing, you know, the issues in the fourth quarter. But then, bottom line, I look at wins. You guys are winning all these close games, so maybe those fourth quarter numbers, you know, maybe we're making a too big a deal out of those numbers. I guess is the way to say it. Yeah, for me, I'm I, I like remove myself totally from the numbers. To be honest with you, on good and bad, like I just, I, I, it's hard to play like that. So I just try to play with the purity of basketball, just trying to win. Sometimes, you know, and, and just so I don't know what the numbers say specifically, but just eye test, like you said, we're We've let, we've let some get away, and the loss is always, you remember those a little bit more. But we've had some really good wins as well. I know one number that you look at would be minutes played. Now, we've talked about this. Now, it garnered an extra headline or two because maybe it was addressed, you know, a little bit more than beyond this podcast. But but has there been any backlash or feedback that you've gotten since last week when you said, hey, you expected to play more minutes on a, on a per-game basis? No, not at all, because I – if you think about it, like for me, I wasn't like, I didn't go to Twitter and tweet it. I didn't go, you know, like I, somebody asked me a question, I just answered it. I wouldn't have never even brought it up if I'd never been asked a question. You know what I mean? Because think about it, we're 30 games into the season and, you know, it was never a topic of discussion because I wasn't going to bring it up. But I'm not even going to lie to anybody either, you know? So for me, it's just, I was just answering the question. It wasn't to rock the boat or try to, you know, petition for more time. It's not even about that. It's not even about me. As long as we're winning and, and Tibbs feels comfortable with what we're doing, then I'm all for it. You know, so I just have to uh, try to be a positive effect on our team uh, beyond the numbers whenever I get the opportunity to, to do that. I mean, that's why you're gold for jackals like me. I mean, because you are honest. I mean, you don't skirt around a question. You don't talk in cliches. I'm just wondering no. if Tibbs came to you after and said, whoa, I didn't know about this. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't. No, not at all. Tibbs is a very fair person, so no, it wasn't that at all. It was just uh, business as usual. I mean, is Tibbs one of those coaches, Jamal, where you can have healthy back and forth with him, that, that you can go to him when something really is on your mind? Yeah, he is. You can go talk to him. You know, and I think uh, he's very honest, and he calls it like he sees it. And uh, you guys can uh, talk and talk it out, whatever it might be, and I think that's good. That honestness has rubbed off on Jimmy Butler, somebody that Tibbs obviously knows well. It was after Monday's game. I mean, he sort of, I don't have the exact words in front of me, but he sort of called out Wiggins and Towns. I mean, do you see a lack of effort at times with those guys, Jamal? No, I. you know what, more than just those guys, because I hate to separate our team, and I always have. I've always have been the person, like, we win as a team and lose as a team. And for not just those guys, but all of us, I feel like we can give more consistent effort on both ends. You know, whether a style of play, like, okay, you know what, we need to make the extra passes and give it up good shots for great shots. Or maybe, you know what, we need to make the extra effort on defense instead of just closing out one time when we have to get second and third efforts to get this stop. You know, so I think not just with those two, because, you know, obviously people want to talk about those guys. They've been here, and it's a little bit different for them being in a, a winning situation. But I think all of us, we can all do better and consistently build good habits, especially as we get towards the second half of the season and down the stretch. You obviously know shooting as well as anybody. Can you explain the funk that Wiggins is in right now? I mean, going back eight games, it's a relatively small sample size, but going back the last eight games, I believe it's 18% from three-point range, and it's below 60% from the free-throw line. It's hard to explain. Yeah, that just tells me it's more him thinking about it. Like I said, I think playing in thought is the biggest 
uh, defense out there, to be honest with you. A scorer or a shooter can't think. They have to have no memory, to be honest with you. They just have to not think about it. Uh, when when I've, I'm lost in the game and I'm not thinking about what I'm shooting up until that point or, you know, if this shot's good for analytics or whatever, I, I tend to shoot better. When I'm thinking about, hey, should I take this shot or I'm hesitating, uh, that's the best defense out there. And for Wiggs, I have no doubt that he'll come back around. He may go through a 10-game stretch where he can't miss anything, where he's as hot as a pistol, you know what I mean? So that's just the, the ebbs and flows of the season, you know. But even with that, last night he had a really big steal. I actually got beat on the play, and he came over and covered for me and got a steal, and it was a big possession late and, and things of that nature. If you could still have an effect on the game and on winning, uh, like I said, beyond the numbers, I think that's great for us. I mean, is that an example? I mean, yeah, I think that was like a minute, minute ten left. Is that an example yeah. of okay, he's missed ten of his fourteen attempts tonight, but but it's not weighing him down that he can make a winning play like that. Exactly, it doesn't put him in a funk, you know, because if it does, then it takes away from him, it takes away from our team. But Wiggs is a great scorer, you know, and we have no doubt that he'll get back on his roll and get back to his normal groove. But basketball's all rhythm. That's why you see players, uh, you know, they can miss four or five in a row, then they make three, they can make six in a row. It's all about being in that rhythm, and right now he may not be in the best rhythm, but he's still finding other ways to impact the game. As a leader, do you approach him? Do you ask him if he's doing okay, or do you just let him be? A little bit of both. You know, you ask him. He says what he says, and then you kind of let it go and maybe circle back around later on at a different time. But the worst thing you could do is start talking too much because then that puts him in that, that, that thought process, you know, of thinking too much again because I'm sure it's not just coming from me. It may be coming from – you know, his friends and family at home or people on social media and all that. The last thing he needed me to say, you know, this and that. I just give him confidence and give all my teammates confidence. What you know, Jamal, of Justin Patton, do you think he could help you guys at some point this year? I definitely do. He's hmm. a talent. He works hard. He loves the game. Uh, he's full of energy. He's full of life. He's a fun guy to be around. You know, and I've been in uh, constant contact with him, even with him not being here. He's still our teammate. He's still our brother. And I can't wait till he gets back. I'm glad to see he's down there playing well and getting in good shape, playing against competition. Uh, that will help us and help him when he gets back. I mean, do you seek out the Iowa Wolves highlights, whether it's on YouTube or on Twitter or wherever? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. I, I text him after he threw the behind the back. Yeah. And then he fell for the, I told him he fell for the, for the dramatics. So, yeah, he's, uh, I definitely check in on him, him and Anthony and, and those guys. Another guy you check in on is – is one of your teammates here in Minnesota is Cole Aldrich. You have the relationship going back to your days together with the Clippers. How is he doing? I mean, I thought Jamal last week against Philadelphia. I really thought there could have been five minutes where he could have helped, even if it was three or four fouls against Embiid. Like, I thought there was a stretch, and I've thought other games, there's there's been stretches where I think Cole could help you guys. I just wish he wasn't rotting there on the bench. Yeah, the thing with Cole for me is, because we talked about this, actually, Cole didn't play until I guess maybe January but the one thing I know about Cole is whenever he gets his opportunity he'll be ready he went and when I was with him at the Clippers he was uh, one of the first ones there one of the last ones to leave always staying in shape and extra work in running the stairs whatever it might be on the treadmill just prepared and it's amazing how it worked out for him that season he played just the second half of that season and he had a huge impact I thought and I won six men a year that year but I thought him and Pablo was just as important with just the way they played and what they brought to our unit. So uh, when Cole gets his opportunity, I'm sure he'll be ready to go. Another guy that's in good shape is Shabazz Muhammad. Same deal, that he's continuing to work hard, that eventually he'll get more minutes? Yes, I mean, Boz is great. He's been absolutely great. I've been on him about uh, staying in his ear, you know, just to stay ready. Stay, you know, this is the life in the NBA. Things change fast. 
you never know how things can change. You see a guy like Mike James who had 20, I think, 20-plus points against us with Phoenix. Uh, you know, the second to last time they were in Minnesota than last time, the other day we played him in Minnesota, he didn't play. So it's the NBA, you never know, you know, how things can, can go. But you, one thing you can control is staying ready, staying a professional, and Boz has done that. I'll give you one thing I do know when you say you never know. I'll give you one thing I do know. Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest players of all time. I really thought Monday night's retirement ceremony, the jersey ceremony, was fantastic. One of the better ones I've seen in a long time. And I thought for him, actually, I thought that he would get choked up because I was getting choked up watching it. So I'm like, he has to get choked up at yeah. some point. Seeing, seeing guys like Allen Iverson uh, wear a Kobe T-shirt, you know, and just because that was one of the guys who was his biggest competition. Mm-hmm. You know, so that meant everything to see Iverson to him you know, wearing a, a T-shirt with him on the cover winning a championship. So just the respect of all of his peers to see a Bill Russell or Kareem or Shaq or Gary Payton, all these great, great, great players, it tells you uh, how much they respect him and his impact on the game. So, you know, I was moved watching that. Magic, among things he said, was nobody in the history of the NBA will ever do what you did in your final game, scoring 60 points. What about Jamal Crawford, final game, whenever that is, four years from now, 61 points? No way. Kobe has that mom. He, not <laughs> only 60 points, to have the energy to take 50 shots. It's a good point. have the mentality yeah. to take 50 shots. Like, this guy is wired differently, and that's why he's an inspiration to all of us, and not just basketball players, every athlete. It's mom's mentality with him, for sure. I mean, when you say wired differently, what, what exactly does that mean, and... I mean, are you even close when it comes to being how, how Kobe was wired as a player? He's wired differently from the standpoint that he he got the absolute most out of his talent. Number one, how driven he was, uh, how skilled he was, how talented he was, how he didn't let anybody's opinion ruin him. Don't forget this guy was a 17, 18-year-old kid who misses four. He has, he has four air balls in the playoffs. That would have crushed a young kid. It drove him mm. to be one of the best ever. You know what I mean? And, and, and you see that, and you see a guy like Westbrook who doesn't play for percentages or anything. I, I saw a Westbrook quote the other day after the game. They played against Philly. I think he was 10 for 33. And the reporter asked him, I think it may have been Doris Burke, she asked him about it, and he was like, hey, I could care less about a percentage. I play to win. And you respect that because that's the purity of the game. Like, basketball is an imperfect game, so there's going to be – mistakes there's going to be things that don't go your way but how do you respond to that that tells me more about you and Kobe was the he epitomized that could you beat him in a game of pig Ooh, that would be fun that actually would be fun I would, uh, I'm not saying I would but that would be fun I'm sure he would do some shots that that I hadn't seen and I would definitely try to pull some shots that he wasn't prepared for that'd be a fun game who has beaten you in your in your professional life in a game of pig I think me and CP have had some good battles in Pierce. Yeah. I think because he got a lot of one-foot shots and awkward little angles. So, yeah, we've had some good battles. Anybody else come to mind? Uh, that's the one that jumps out at me first. So I think that's – it would be, you know, if, if there was some, a person that had the most wins, it's probably me and him because we were basketball junkies going to the gym all the time. I mean, how about CP and the Rockets? I mean, they are really, really good, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They absolutely are. And I was curious to see how they would fit and how they would work out, but they've been unbelievable. They haven't lost since he played, so kudos to him for helping the, that culture and then uh, him as well making the adjustment. I'll leave you after a couple final points. It's it's pretty much trade season because guys that signed you know, contracts can now be traded as of a couple days ago. 
as you size up your roster, what do you think you guys need the most? I mean, I don't think anything is on the cusp of happening, but let's say Tibbs makes a trade before the February trade deadline. What what do you think you guys need the most? I actually think we have just about everything we need to win. I think uh, I don't think any team is perfect, but I think it's about how you show up and uh, kind of you know fill the, the gaps that you have uh, with what you have, you know. And, and so for us, I think we have what we need. We just have to figure out how to perfect. Uh, our best self and kind of master that and get used to doing that. And I think we'll be in good shape. You like playing on Christmas? I love it. I love it. I know the whole world is watching. Uh, people are opening gifts there with their family, and we get a chance to share a little bit of that with them uh, coming to their homes. I love it. What's the best present you've ever given? Ooh, the best present I've ever given. That's a good one. Uh, had to be something for my mom. I'm yeah. not sure exactly because I've gotten her some pretty nice things over the years, but I do something for my mom. How about the best present you've ever gotten? The Dr. J hoop. I got it when oh. I was, I think, six or seven years old. So that is the best. Okay, so it's like full circle. Yeah. So Monday night you yeah. passed Dr. J on the all-time scoring list. Yeah, you cited the hoop, but I didn't realize that was like the best present you've ever gotten. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a real answer. If you go back, uh, there's a documentary on me on, on YouTube. It's, uh, Ball is Life. It's called Sky's the Limit. I did it three years ago. Hmm. And they asked me my best Christmas gift. I told them then three years ago it was the Dr. J hoop when he had a face on the, on the backboard. And, and I actually told uh, Dr. J that this summer. He was cracking up when I actually was sitting there talking to him. So, yeah, yeah. So that's all real. Like, so it's just like you said, it's come full circle. You like the schedule getting tougher here? I mean, it started on Monday and it doesn't slow down here the next few weeks. Good, good. Yeah, I mean, I think steel sharp is steel. So sometimes when you play teams that you think uh, you might perceive to be better than, you kind of take your off the gas a little bit. But with these teams here, you, you have to be ready to go every single night and, and work for it. Enjoy the time away. You guys won't be back for a while. Happy holidays to you and yours, Jamal. If I don't see you before the new year, happy new year as well. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it, as always. Forget sports. One of the good guys on the planet. Wolves guard Jamal Crawford. I'll get to some Wolves notes in just a second, but some love for the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. It is Running Tap online, running-tap.com. This would be the time, if you're listening to this podcast late Wednesday, early Thursday, if you're hosting Christmas this weekend, you need some good local beer. Running Tap will deliver that beer right to you. Think about all the hassles of the holidays, right? I mean, so much going on, you might forget to go to the liquor store. And, oh, by the way, you go to the liquor store, you end up with, you know, not such good-tasting beer at times, right? You've got all the... You know, cliche-filled beer. But if you go to running-tap.com, they'll deliver the local stuff. Think about all the good local beers. They'll deliver those beers right to you. It is not expensive. And, oh, by the way, if you use the promo code THESCOOP002, THESCOOP002, you get $30 off your order of $20 or more. I'm telling you, they'll deliver that beer snap of the fingers. You don't need to leave your house. They will deliver that beer right to your door. Check them out. If you're into the local beer scene, it is worth your time. It is running-tap.com. Here's what you may have missed on a recent Purple podcast. And then, you know, you get to the end of the game, and we have the same sort of thing. For some reason, and I have no idea why, maybe this is how they blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, the Atlanta Falcons decide to kick a field goal, which is one yeah. of the worst coaching decisions I have ever seen in my life. With five minutes left, they, 
I don't know if they ran out of timeouts. They must have run out of timeouts on the last drive, but they were getting grinded out on the other side. So they've got five minutes left, third and short, and they decide to kick a field goal that would still put them down in the game. Just a baffling decision. But you know what the Vikings did? They gave them no chance to, to redeem themselves after that horrible decision. You can find the Purple Podcast on iTunes, Podcast One, or 1500ESPN.com's podcast page. I'll do a few Wolves notes, then I will replay my appearance on the Mackey and Judd show on Wednesday. It turns out I'm actually doing Thursday now. Phil Mackey lost his voice, so I will be in for four hours with Judd on Thursday, the 21st of December. So we'll certainly get some scoops in there as well. And I was able to pretty much empty out the notebook. Not a whole lot going on this week. Plus, I'll be the first to admit, on my personal front, a lot is going on. Nothing bad, but just some heavy stuff going on on the personal front. So I'll be the first to admit, I haven't been digging like I normally dig. But certainly in tune with enough going on. On the Wolves, Sean Kilpatrick's agents tried to engage the Wolves. They had a conversation with General Manager Scott Layden. Another agent had a conversation with personnel guy Brian Pauga. Sean Kilpatrick was very open to being here. Heck, he wanted to be back in the NBA, right? After the Nets let him go, he is now in Milwaukee. The Wolves passed. I do get the sense eventually they will use that 15th roster spot. Let's look at the buyouts, the buyout candidates. You know, you look at some of the bad teams, you know, whether it's the Mavericks, Hawks, Bulls, maybe the Lakers, you know, some other teams, maybe Sacramento. Some guys will be bought out at some point. It'll be closer to the trade deadline, might even be later in February. I'm just saying, I do get the sense before the season is over, the Wolves will get to 15, but they remain only at 14 players, and just know that Sean Kilpatrick, a good player, I've always said, there's more NBA players than jobs available. Sean Kilpatrick was an example being out of the league for a week plus. He wanted to be here, but the Wolves had no interest. Continue to hear that Gorgie Jang is available in trade talks, but no sense anything is even close. If I had to bet, Gorgie Jang will be a member of the Wolves beyond the trade deadline. Not an easy contract. To move. Nemanja Bielitsa is making progress. He is now taking contact. Figure he plays in the next week or so at the latest. He may even play in the next few days. There will be a bit more on the Wolves in this 12-minute back and forth. I was on the Mackey and Judd Show on 1500 ESPN, 1015 on Wednesday morning. Here's my appearance. We started with Gophers football, National Signing Day, the early National Signing Day. Then we transitioned to some twins. Then we finished with the Wolves. So here's my appearance from the Mackey and Judd Show on Wednesday morning, the 20th of December. I have a friend named Doogie. He's got a lot to say. Chasing down the stories every single day. Oh, Doogie, 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 he's got the scoop for you. And through his many sources, he'll give you quite a few. He's always breaking news with every team in town. He's calling and he's texting, never slowing down. Oh, Doogie, 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 he's got the scoop for you. And through his many sources, he'll give you quite a few. And that song means, at least for the holiday season, it is scoop time with Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News. What's up, sir? Good morning, gentlemen. Happy hump day. Happy last night of Hanukkah, right? Coming out of that song. I don't know that. 
It is. Okay, that is the you. last You're night. You're telling me. Thank you. The final of the eight nights of Hanukkah as we transition in the Wolfson household to Christmas. That's what oh, okay. happens when you have right. one Jew and one Catholic. <laughs> yeah. You get the a, kids it's, it's are a very lucky. Celebration. Yeah. It's a festivus us for the rest of us. <laughs> it is, yes. So where where would you like to start it's on your show, Judd. for this week? All you right. Tell well, me. Let's do this actually, since we are now uh on the first day of the new early National Signing Day. Put into context for us how PJ Fleck did with what is really his first uh, full recruiting class. He did very well. I saw a quote from Nick Saban, the Alabama coach, last week saying that he has talked to a number of coaches. He doesn't know one coach that likes this early signing day. I guess he didn't talk to P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck very much likes this signing day. It is a good class. I've told you guys, I'm not big into star rankings because there's a lot of politics involved. I know for a fact, back in the Brewster days, Tim Brewster would call rivals, give them a scoop, you know, give them multiple scoops, then say, hey, give that kid an extra star. There's a lot of shenanigans involved in the star process. I don't trust the star process. I look at offers. If you look at the 25 players the Gophers signed this morning, a number of them have other Power 5 offers. I saw P.J. Fleck make the note. He's actually talking to the assembled media right now. We have a camera there. He said that 58 of the 62 Power 5 schools made at least an offer to one of his kids. I think Clemson did. I don't think Ohio State did. Alabama did. I mean, they beat out Alabama for an offensive lineman. There's a wide receiver from the state of Georgia, Rashad Bateman. The Gophers were on him early. He blew up his senior year. In the last few weeks, the University of Georgia comes in. He tells the home state school, no. He tells Texas A&M, no. He tells Tennessee, no. Benny Sapp III of Eden Prairie. He got a Nebraska offer in the last few weeks. He told them no. Hmm. I'm just saying, look at a lot of the offers that these kids have. It is a very, very impressive class. What about this 400-pound kid from IMG Academy? Yeah, well, I mean, I've seen the video. He can dunk. I mean, if you're 6'9", 395, and you can dunk, you have some form of athleticism. Alabama did offer him. Georgia did offer him. Wow. So, yeah. They why, got him. Why, okay, why, he's got a chance to play right away. So, so he's choosing Minnesota over Alabama because he can play right away, perhaps, right? Sure. Is there an easier path to the field immediately? Absolutely. It also helps that his quarterback at IMG Academy, it's actually a kid from Mankato. I got to know him when I did a story on Mitch Leidner going back a number of months, the pre-draft process. This kid was actually working out at the same facility that Mitch was. Kid's name is Zach. Anyway, starting quarterback, IMG Academy. Here's another example. He gets an offer a week ago from the University of Pittsburgh. Full-fledged offer. He tells Pittsburgh no to walk on at Minnesota. He is a walk-on, preferred walk-on. So that's a good quarterback they are getting as a preferred walk-on. Okay, so the 6'9 offensive lineman, IMG Academy, so he's got the connection to the quarterback coming here. Then another teammate, Curtis Dunlap. Florida D commitment. This is an offensive lineman, a guard. I think he'll play right away. Remember that name, Curtis Dunlap. You know, he's coming. So you've got Dunlap, who got an Oklahoma offer. I believe Michigan entered the picture late. So the Gophers beat out a number of good schools. But yeah, with the 6'9 offensive lineman, it certainly helped that a fellow offensive lineman from ING Academy is coming up here, then his quarterback is coming up here. Are you a guard or tackle at that weight? 6'9", 395. I imagine, I imagine you have you're to be tackle. a tackle size-wise, but that, that weight is... Uh... Mm, pretty impressive for yeah, a Yeah, it is. And who knows? I mean, that might be too much. 
I'm saying maybe more so remember the name Dunlap. He's All actually right. a big boy, but he's a guard. I think Dunlap comes in and plays right away. Twin scoopage. And and have they are, are they on the precipice of uh, trying to meet with you, Darvish, as I think the Cubs and Astros are? I went back and forth with a high-ranking Twins official a couple days ago. This individual told me ongoing conversations in that regard. Now, do the Twins really need to meet face-to-face with you? I suppose it wouldn't hurt, but Thad Levine has the pre-existing relationship. You know, in terms of a presentation, you can do that electronically, you know, PowerPoint, all that. You know, but would it help? Maybe it would. Yeah, the Cubs met with him. The Astros met with him. I mean, this is according to you, Darvish's Twitter account. Also, according to that Twitter account, he is having dinner tonight with the Texas Rangers general manager. But supposedly the Rangers are not in the mix. Hmm. It looks like it's down to the Twins, Cubs, and Astros. Hmm. I'll continue to say, in the end, do I think the Twins are giving you, Darvish, six years, $140 million? I don't. If they can get him at a lesser number, yes, there's a chance. Do, do you, I just don't see them giving six one forty though. Do you th- two questions? If it, let's say it's six one forty, who's saying no most vehemently on the twin side? And do you think it's a mistake to not offer him six years one forty? On the is Polad saying no on that, or is it more for the front office saying yeah, that's a long, that's six years? That's I think it's a combination, but that's an interesting question. I think it's a combination though. I think there would be some trepidation. I had to add Levine on the podcast a week or two ago, and I just said, in general terms, what's your philosophy, what's your thinking on giving any pitcher a six-year deal? He said he's not against it, but you would pause. I mean, it's case by case, but he certainly said, yeah, easy. You give him that offer. No. So I think it would be a combination, ownership and front office. And what was the other part of the question? Um, uh, boxers or boxer briefs? Was it? No. Um, <laughs> do you think they'd be making a mistake if they, if they don't go? You know, I mean, six one forty. What about five one fifty? I mean, I think I'd rather go less term. Me too. I mean, I would go. Uh, here's the thing: Zach Greinke makes thirty four million dollars a year on like a five year deal. I, I'd much rather overpay over a four or five year deal, mm-hmm. even upwards of like twenty seven million dollars a year. I agree, and then not have to worry about okay, God, this guy had another Tommy John surgery, like Phil Hughes. You know, if you're going to pay the guy seventy million dollars, you'd rather just be done with it now, right? And so you can move on from from the burden. I'm with you. Now, I will say this: the Twins are going to do something when it comes to the starting pitching, and it won't be a light move. It won't be. You know, I think Pineda's got a chance, but you know that's 2019. But it's not going to be a two-year, ten or twelve million dollar contract. You know, something like that where you're thinking, oh, this guy's like a a four or five. They're going to find somebody better than Irvin Santana. Mm. Just give it some time, really? or at least on the same platform, same level as Irvin Santana. They're still in constant dialogue with Alex Cobb. You think about the addition in the front office. You know, the Twins brought in this pitching guru analytics guru josh kalk from the tampa bay rays i'm told josh is a big fan of alex cobb okay that's a great story real quick a quick story on sure yes yeah. josh kalk yeah you do that uh, as believe, my phone is blowing up i believe he was uh i believe he was featured in jonah carey's profile of the tampa bay rays the extra two percent i think if i'm wrong on this somebody correct me but josh kalk had a pitch fx blog like seven years ago eight years ago maybe even longer than that he was one of the first pitch fx Pitch movement, um, internet baseball bloggers. That on the is correct. They, they, the Rays hired him mm-hmm. and told him, shut down your blog. Don't tell anyone what you're doing. You're going to work behind the curtain for us. And we, you know, and we don't want anyone else reading your stuff or, 
or tinkering with your pitch FX tool. Like hockey guys did. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I hear he's fantastic, yes. by yeah. the way. I do have a friend in the Tampa Bay Rays front office, small world, just through some connections. Yep. And anyway, this person told me Josh is a rock star. Yeah. So is is now Cobb was was tied to the Cubs previously. He was. I mean, there's a Is that on thought. hold while Darvish is talking to, to the Cubs? And, well, and if you're the Twins, would you be incentivized possibly to go right by Darvish and go to Cobb? right now and try and get him instead? No, I think you let this thing play out thinking along these lines mm-hmm. that the Cubs met with Darvish to put pressure on Cobb and his agent. So this is all just a game playing out with, play the m- leverage with multiple game. checkers yes. here. Yeah, there still is a belief that with Hickey now the pitching coach okay. in Tampa, or excuse me, in Chicago, Chicago. going from Tampa, right. that Hickey wants Cobb, that the Cubs want Cobb. That this is a smokescreen, the interest in you, Darvish. So I okay. think if you're the Twins... So the Twins are just going to stay You let that play out. You but, almost okay. think that Cobb ultimately ends up in Chicago, that it might come down to you and the Astros. Maybe the Mariners, too. I've heard some Mariners steam on you, Darvish. Hmm. And it might be among those three for you. Hmm. Wolf scoopage. Talked to Jamal Crawford for the podcast last night. I mean, good timing after... I don't want to say he single-handedly won that game on Monday because Jimmy Butler was unbelievable. Two guys won that game. But two guys won that quarter. game, right? That's so Jamal correct. was... Was one of the two that won them that game on Monday. So I had him on the podcast last night. That will post sometime later today. I mean, he clearly wants more minutes. I can tell you this much. When he says no to the Cleveland Cavaliers, when he says no to the Washington Wizards, it was because certain things were promised, verbally, but promised to him, to convince him to come here. Among those promises, you'll play about the same minutes you played the last couple years for the L.A. Clippers. Whether he deserves it or not, we can debate that. But he was told that. Now, so is Tibbs in the wrong for not playing him those 25 minutes a night? Or is Tibbs doing the right thing that, hey, needs to win games, that Jamal's not worthy of those minutes? That's a fair conversation. But I can just tell you, that didn't necessarily come out all the way in the podcast, but I can just tell you, I know this, yeah, that Jamal was promised a certain amount of minutes, and yeah, he's not getting those oh, minutes. Give him some of Wiggins' minutes. That's what they did in the fourth quarter. I'm fine with that. Wiggins is not playing well. He's not. Wiggins now, I did to talk playing. to Jamal about that. Jamal, you know, Jamal, for the most part, is is all positive. He's convinced. He sees Wiggins work in practice. He sees the shot mechanics that he thinks this is just a slump. Now, if you go back the last eight games, Wiggins is shooting below 60% from the free throw line, below 20% from three-point range. Mm-hmm. And he still chucks. And you know me. I'm very much a Wiggins apologist, right? At least between the two of us. There's not much I to can't apologize defend, no, for. No, I can't defend except, him right now. Except He's been horrible. Except you're right, Dukes. I think what they need to do is call up his his guy, his coach, his personal coach. Drew Hanlon. And get that guy here. That's his summer you, guy. But they won't do it. I know, but they need to They have to their do, own shooting coach. But that's but they need to do whatever they can. They can't let Correct. this continue to go d- downhill. And I, I told Phil this. What concerns me is Tibbs does not seem like the most patient guy. And Butler seems like really? a guy who's also going to move on as well. well I don't know and you that. can't no, but my point is you've got to fix this. Like you can't just accept this. Oh, he's in a slump and now it's two months, three months, and it's getting worse. He's regressing. He is regressing. I now. mean, the it's it eye test, statistics, however you stack it up, he's regressing. No denying that. I'll leave you with this before I need to head out to Vikings. The contract is still tradable. You cannot trade Andrew Wiggins today. There's a poison pill. But if you had to trade him in a year from now, I'm just telling you, he's 22 years old. The Toronto Raptors would bend over backwards for Andrew Wiggins. I don't think you get DeMar DeRozan. You may not get equal value, you know, face value. But I'm just saying, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, 
you'll never be able to move that contract. You know, Korzanowski is one of those guys. Korzo's completely wrong on that one. He's been right on Wiggins. He's been saying for years that Wiggins stinks. Mm-hmm. So I'll give Corzo credit for that one. I mean, he saw this you know, before before a lot of people. I still think there's a chance that Wiggins can get better. I don't think the, the final chapter has been written. I'm just saying, if they need to move that contract in a year, in 18 months, they'll be able to move that contract. You guys are lucky my voice is on the verge of uh, going, you'd get, another, you'd get another rambling Wiggins rant from me. <laughs> I'm sparing you. Hopefully you gleaned something from that appearance. I do like the back and forth nature. All right, I'll finish Scoop Podcast episode 117 with a few notes. Then a reminder again, I'll be on 1500 ESPN 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Thursday morning, the 21st of December, working with Judd Zolgad. Where to start? You know what? One leftover Wolves note, VP of personnel, Brian Pauga. I mentioned his name earlier, having the conversation with Sean Kilpatrick's agent. Pauga just got back from a scouting trip to Spain, a number of great European prospects. So Pauga, good time of the year with the lack of college games. Pauga just back from Spain, a scouting trip. On the Twins, they remain in on Trevor Rosenthal, certainly not a priority. He's a Tommy John guy, but he's a reliever on their radar. On their own free agents, they have told all the agents for their own free agents, Bartolo Colon, Dylan G, Chris Jimenez, I'm leaving out a name or two. They have told the agents, hey, we're working on some other stuff, i.e. a big-name starting pitcher. Depending on how things shake out, we'll circle back to you. But nothing is imminent with any of those guys. If they re-sign any of those guys, we're looking at mid to late January moves, maybe even February moves. They're not on the cusp of bringing back any of their own free agents. I touched on Cobb on that appearance with Mackey and Judd. The Twins do remain in pretty constant dialogue with Cobb's agent. The same goes for Lance Lynn's agent. The Twins were never in on Carlos Santana before he signed with the Phillies. The Twins were never in on Giovanni Gallardo before he signed a Major League deal. I'm surprised he got one, but signed a Major League deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. The Twins did inquire on CC Sabathia. Now, all signs pointed to him remaining with the Yankees. Family loves it in New Jersey. There was no sense that he was leaving New York, but the Twins did make a phone call. His agent is the same agent that Miguel Sano has, a guy by the name of Kyle Thousand. The Twins were never in on Matt Moore, the Giants trading Matt Moore to the Texas Rangers. The Twins did not have interest. The Twins did not have interest in coming close to the two-year $10 million deal that Brandon Kinsler got with the Nationals. So even though the Twins like Kinsler, they were not giving him two years, $10 million. Kinsler's camp circled back to the Twins to say, hey, would you like to match this offer? The Twins said, absolutely not. The Twins met with the agent for reliever Craig Stammen in Orlando, but the Twins are not interested. It was more like the agent wanting to meet with the Twins, ran the name Craig Stammen by them. There's not interest there. The Twins still are not interested in Jose Bautista, by the way. So they have had talks with Mike Napoli's agent, But again, starting pitching is the priority. They will circle back on secondary free agents like a Mike Napoli, like a Dylan G, others, Trevor Rosenthal, later in the winter. The priority right now is starting pitching, and I'm not quite sure we'll have closure on that front before the calendar flips to 2018. I think we're looking at early January or mid-January for the Twins to acquire that starting pitcher. Shameless plug for my Twitter page, at DWolfs on KSTP, an interview with Fernando Rodney. We got him at Murray Steakhouse late last week before he flew out of town. I have a video from Nate Bowe, Lakeville North offensive lineman, who signed with the Gophers on Wednesday morning. I have a video from Tuesday from Kyle Rudolph's charity event at Masonic Children's University of Minnesota campus. Same for Xavier Rhodes. 
he handed out toys to patients at Masonic Children's on Tuesday. So I have a bunch of videos. I've been trying to do more and more videos on my Twitter page. So D Wolfson, KSTP, in addition to scoops as they come fresh. I was at Vikings practice on Wednesday. Riley Reef took part in some of the practice. Same goes for Mackenzie Alexander. Of the two, I hear Mackenzie Alexander is doing better, but there certainly is a chance that both play. I was on the Andy Carlson podcast. I taped him on Tuesday early evening. I said about a 65% chance that Alexander plays like 35% chance on Reef. Well, with a little bit more intel, I would say it's more like 55% on Reef, 75 to 80% on Alexander. There's a distinct possibility the Vikings get back both those guys for the Saturday night game at Lambeau Field. A couple other notes I jotted down. I did text with Jerry Kill. I think Jerry Kill will be on the podcast in the coming weeks. He's been inundated with messages. He was nice enough to get back to me. He's just been overwhelmed. It's just unfortunate, but health comes first. Jerry Kill retiring as the Rutgers offensive coordinator. A couple high school notes. Zeke Naji of Hopkins had Greg Gard, the Wisconsin coach, in the gym on Friday. Hopkins took care of number one Edina rather easily. Naji had 20 points. A little bit of foul trouble in the first half. He was dynamic in the second half. He's a junior forward, 6'10", 220. The Gophers have offered him Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska. It looks like I hear that Baylor, Baylor will be the next school to offer Zeke Naji of Hopkins. On the football front, Antonio Montero of Eden Prairie had a good visit to North Dakota State last weekend. Wisconsin is entering the picture. They may be on the cusp of offering a preferred walk-on spot. I would say that worked out okay for former Eden Prairie quarterback Ryan Connolly, who ended up playing linebacker at Wisconsin, really good player. So Wisconsin has had history with Eden Prairie, so Wisconsin may end up offering Montero. The Gophers still are hopeful they can get Montero as a preferred walk-on, but I would say at this point the Gophers are a long shot. There still is a chance Illinois eventually offers. Remember, there will be another signing day in February. So December 20th was the early signing day, the traditional signing day. That first Wednesday in February still exists, or maybe it's the second Wednesday early in February. Regardless, that signing day still exists, but the Gophers did sign their full class, 25 players on December 20th. All right, that'll do it for Scoop Podcast episode 117. I'll dig further on some twin stuff, some wolf stuff, Vikings, Wild. I'll get Brent Flair back on the podcast soon enough. Just a busy, busy week on the personal front. Again, nothing bad, but just stuff that is time-consuming, so I haven't been able to dig like I normally dig. But I appreciate you listening. Jamal Crawford is always entertaining at the very least. Have a great holiday if you're celebrating Christmas this weekend. Have a very Merry Christmas. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 117. I'm always grateful for those of you that take the time. There are so many options, so many podcast options. You take the time to listen to this podcast. I'm forever grateful. Thank you so much.